It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Will Kane, are you excited about this? Yeah. I mean, Tuesday's coming, and I'm just excited. I, I sense that the challenges will be few. This is rigged. It's fake. The ballots were wrong. My precinct was a mess. Uh, they're flipping votes. I sense that that will not be a theme this midterm. You don't think so? No. You think, okay, let's, let's play a hypothetical. This hypothetical is that Republicans uh, win big on Tuesday. Okay, huge red wave. When Hersh- Herschel Walker wins in Georgia, Carrie Lake and Blake Masters win in Arizona. You do not think Democrats will challenge the, the legitimacy of these elections? Here's why I don't think so. Because they made they're looking to they made their mark on how dare you challenge the integrity of elections. It blows up democracy. They're literally running on that in the backstretch. Okay, hold on. Now, of let, the democracy under threat. I love this conversation. Okay. But Hillary denied the election results from 2016, and that didn't stop them from making as though Donald Trump questioning the elections in 2020 was the absolute corruption and downfall of America. Right. Corruption of democracy, downfall of America, Mm -hmm. fresh off of five years of denying that election. So why would hypocrisy now stop them from questioning these elections? I think because of January 6th. January 6th wasn't like Clyburn challenging Ohio in 2008 uh, for W, 2004 for uh, W. Bush. I don't think it was different than Hillary (laughs) Clinton. By the way, you have a long list. Right. I mean, there's a lot of challenges. Uh, remember, I mean, there's video, and you guys might have ran on the weekend. For some reason, we couldn't find it, of Joe Biden as vice president gaveling down his own party who kept on, kept on protesting Donald Trump's win. They just wanted to do the formal thing and on their January 6th, whatever date that was, and just say, okay, here's the official electoral college note, Donald Trump's president. And they, they kept protesting. Well, Brian, right now, Joe Biden is saying something to the effect of you have to co- go vote, talking to his Democratic base in these speeches, saying because if you don't, Republicans could win and Republicans will be a threat to our democracy by questioning the legitimacy of our elections, right? Right. So Republicans, in fact, you want to hear that? I let's, do. Let's listen. I Cut do. one. You know, American democracy is under attack because the defeated former president of the United States refuses to accept the results of the 2020 election. We, the people, must decide whether the rule of law will prevail, whether we will allow the dark forces to thirst, that thirst for power. Put ahead of the principles that we've long guided us. He goes on to say, by the way, if Republicans win, it's a threat to democracy. In the same sentence or back-to-back sentences at the very least, he is doing what he's uh, accusing his opponent of doing. He's saying if Republicans win, it is the undermining of democracy. They're already doing it. They're not waiting to lose the election to question the results of the election. I think that if it's November 11th and they lost the House and Senate and Carrie Lake and governor's mansions and uh, we see some of the upsets at Tudor Dixon, for example, in Michigan, I think if they turn around and say, we got problems with the ballots, uh, we have problems with the precincts, I think that they know that they can't pull it off because they made their bones with Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger and company on, on January 6th. I mean, they got to look. Well, they, to- they do something different, though. They say it's voter suppression. They say it's laws in Georgia. 
That's what they're going to say, and therefore that— But the turnout's through the roof already in Georgia. I mean, you're suggesting that those facts are going to change their narrative. But uh, This is—I mean, Will, you're not without merit, but that's very cynical. This is very—very cynical. I think that there's— I think it's realist. I mean, I'm just looking at every election the Democrats have lost. Look— Because remember, 63 seats for Barack Obama. He never said anything was rigged against him. He said, I got shellacked. Let's see. Al Gore in 2000, you pointed out— in 2004, that w- that election was also questioned. John Kerry. John, John Kerry was James also Clyburn. questioned. Obama wins in 08 and no 12. No problem. No problem. In 16, clearly, Hillary has still said that that election was corrupt and not work. Stacey Abrams in Georgia. 2018. I mean, maybe I'm being cynical, but I kind of feel like I'm being a realist. Yeah, I just think the rubber hit the road on January 6th and people protesting and Donald Trump going over the top uh, saying there's something wrong here. And you put that together, which building with the pandemic rules, with uh, drop boxes everywhere, bail of uh, five mail-in ballots turning out at your door mm-hmm. that you didn't request, unrequested mail-in ballots. And now I think that we as voters have to go out of our way to say the precinct I voted in, do they have signature match? Do I have a problem with uh, license uh, showing ID? And if you don't have a problem before, don't tell me you have a problem after because I think we all went to school on this. And I, that's why I think it's good news that people are so engaged because they're going to vote. You're not necessarily sure of that. <laughs> I can see where he's going with that. So here's a conversation we had, I think, during the last commercial break at Fox and Friends this morning. Uh, can, you, you, I think you were saying something like, it's so it's, great. Here, it's, so great. News, yeah. it's so great that here's good news. Everyone's going to turn out to vote. There's so much enthusiasm. And Katie and I both looked at you and said, I don't know. I don't know if that's a good thing. I don't know if that's a good thing. And Okay. Anybody here? Katie like, Pavlich. Yeah. What do you Here's what I think. Two, twofold. I don't think that just because people are voting means that's a good thing for democracy. I think that people should be educated voters. They should know what they're talking about. And I'm not sure that massive voter turnout correlates to massive educated voters. Secondarily, I don't think a nation that is super invested in politics at all time is actually great. I think people go about their lives, care about the things that are in their life. You care too much, you say. Yeah, I think your home, your family, your church, your community, honestly, your sports, your career, your business. These are all – the more people think that politics is the most important thing in their life, the more power we grant to politics. Right. Who the president is affects what kind of mood I'm in. I'm thinking to myself, you know how much small talk ends up politics today? Well, it wasn't the case. See, you've been in and out of sports. People used to make small talk with me talking sports all the time. Now the small talk is big. As soon as we sit, yeah. as soon as I sit down at any table with friends, uh, acquaintances, friends, whatever, at any level, very rarely for it not to come to politics. Very rarely for Trump not to come up. Very, very rarely, rarely to not talk about who Neil Cavuto interviewed or who Tucker Carlson, what Tucker Carlson's monologue's about. It's very rare. And 10 years ago, 15 years ago, a lot of people didn't know what I did. <laughs> I mean, they just did. I mean, they'd be like, oh, how was work? Now they tell me how work was. They tell me stuff that happened that I was on the show and I don't remember. And I and find that that's healthy? an engagement. Is it healthy? Uh, I think you have a point that maybe it's a little unhealthy where it affects uh, it affects your life when Donald Trump tweets something that's aggravating. It really shouldn't affect your vacation plans, mm-hmm. uh, you know, what you're doing with your free time or if you decide to play pickleball. Personally, you know, I saw this recently, Brian, um, and I'm not going to go far into this because I can see you'll probably fall asleep. But um, I'm into this like I, stoicism, you know, like I follow it on. This is going to be the most contradictory statement that anyone's ever made. I follow it on Instagram, the Sto- stoic account. You know, it's like 
don't let things overly affect you. Be be calm and stoic. And and it said it showed the circle of interest in your life, the where you should devote your priorities and your attention. And you should focus on your faith, yourself first, making yourself and your life better, then your family around you, then your community, then your countrymen, and then humanity, mankind. Those are concentric circles. You see, right. can you got it? Imagine with it. you. So, you know, I, I don't want to make it partisan, Republican, Democrat, but the way to view the world for most people that would consider themselves conservative is, is you focus on those smaller concentric circles first. Right. Right. And often Democrats think in those outside con- con- concentric circles first. In other words, I want I care about, OK, you and I've had this debate on the Will Cain podcast, Ukraine, mankind, humankind, and, and you vote based upon, you know, abstractions and virtues that are far away while neglecting often things that are right here at home, including yep. your own behavior. Right. And I think it's a reverse moral proposition. You should be focused here first and perfect from the outside, from the inside out. Uh, that's, a, that's a good philosophy to have. Uh, we're in a little bit different of a situation because our, day, our day-to-day life and our career yes. has, needs us to be engaged. We talk about those outside concentric circles. Right. But honestly, I actually try to focus to some extent on those. Can I do this? You were. You, you said you were on my podcast this week. People are loving it, by the way. And they got to see something different about you, okay? And it's because I'm such an excellent interviewer, mostly. Which was, that's according to the reports. It's not you saying that. That's, that's what, what most people, of the feedback I got was like, uh, Will, you're amazing. I don't right. know how you did that. He's such a tough— you're just reading the comments right now. He's just such a tough nut, Brian. Like, how'd you do that? <laughs> no, but really, seriously. You shared a lot of who you are, man. Right. And like— I didn't know about your dad dying when you were so young. I I didn't know about your work experience here at Fox, and you explained to me what it was like to work in the previous environment versus now. And um, although our job is to talk about those big things, I I don't know. I I loved hearing about you, not in in an egotistical, narcissistic, selfish way. But who, and then you and I had a debate on Ukraine. And in all seriousness, I did get this comment. People was like, I I disagree. This is some people who probably agree with me more. I didn't. I disagreed with Brian on his position on Ukraine. After hearing it, what what animates Brian and why he learns about it and cares so much, I have a different perspective on his point of view. I just. I don't know. Oh, I think, that's great. Yeah, yeah. They uh, still thought I won. That right. Debate. Yeah, well, it's interesting because I don't see that. I'm looking at your comments. No one said that, that you won, and that's interesting. But uh, I guess it's there somewhere. Um, I, I think it's true. Uh, I think that uh, for me personally, I look at Republicans. I hope this comes out non-biased. Republicans just want to do those circles, and when people try to penetrate those circles, that's when they push back. When they want to fight, they want the freedom to pick their family, their occupation, where they want to live, and what have. And they want less control, and in theory, less blame. You know, Social Security gets cut, or this gets Medicare is a problem in my state, or property taxes go up. When things start, exterior things start happening out of their control and they look around and say, whose fault is it? Well, it's the person who's making me get an electric car. Yeah. It's the person that is, uh, that is condemning me for my lifestyle or creating or, policies that make it unsafe for me to walk down the street. Crime, a huge issue. So these things happen. That's when Republicans get engaged. For the most part, Democrats seem to have a problem with the status quo. So they're looking to change it. And it's infiltrating on everybody's lives, and then it cuts into the people's conversation. And the one thing that I, I spoke at Governor Pataki's thing last night, and at his, he's as a fellowship, so he has a bunch of college students, elite college students there, and they, and then other people put their hands up, and every single person has a, somebody in their family they're not speaking to because of politics. Uh, that's, that's back to that thing. Is that 
we I don't have to ask this rhetorically now. Yeah. That is incredibly unhealthy. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Yeah. If you're not speaking to your family because of politics, something has gone incredibly yeah. wrong. Yeah. I mean, unless you know, unless you're James Carville and Mary Matlin, where you can see they do this for a living and they have no problem living with each other. But yeah. I just say to myself, you're not even in politics. What are you doing? Like you're you're in entertainment. Why? You know, what does that have to do with poli- You know, Donald Trump. Enough. Uh, so we'll talk about more of this. We have a few more minutes at the bottom of the hour. Somebody really smart will be with us. Michael Rubin, a senior differently, fellow. Differently than me. Somebody really smart is coming up on the show. Uh, I didn't know you were so insecure. Well, you chose that adjective while I'm sitting here. I can't even say it what's written down. It wasn't pointed? American Enterprise <laughs> Institute. Uh, he specializes in Turkey and the Middle East. Will doesn't. Back in a moment. <laughs> Learning something new every day on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. I said it was up to the citizens of Pennsylvania, and of course, but I will tell you all this, if I lived in Pennsylvania, I would have already cast my vote for John Fetterman for many reasons. That is Oprah Winfrey going for John Fetterman in Pennsylvania, Will Kane, even though Mehmet Oz was a guest on her show and he was so good he got his own show. Oprah syndicated him, who was wildly successful, and they're really good friends. Uh, and I was just, I was surprised that she would weigh in at this point. And because she has no, at this point, I guess it's only one or two points separating the two. The last poll, Oz is out on top. Are you surprised? No, and we we had that conversation throughout the morning on Fox and Friends because I don't I, I expected I expect Oprah to be a partisan above friendship. Uh, first of all, like the conversation we were just having, I think again the concentric circle working from the outside in, the Democrat Oprah, which we know that she is, would place her political vote closer to what she considers virtue than loyalty to a friend. Like that doesn't surprise me as a celebrity, as a Democrat. That doesn't surprise me that she would have those. Those priorities reversed. You pointed out, I think, very astutely this morning that, well, she didn't just do it for any old Democrat. She did it for John Fetterman, which is that and in and of itself has to be surprising and shocking. Because he's uh, known as a lazy guy, lived with his parents till he was well, he 40. can't talk. And he's Bernie Sanders to the left. So that's what he stood for. Well, his healthy. policies are far his... left and his competency right now. With... And what was the question on Twitter? It's great. It's great. I just put this out on my uh, genuinely curious, Oprah. Would you hire John Fetterman to run your business? And I think we all know. Okay, let's let's. And why don't you give him? Uh, one? Is that too big of a layup? Give him the Oprah. Let's, let's uh, give him the series. Oprah, would you hire John Fetterman to serve as your chauffeur? Oprah, eh. would you hire John Fetterman to represent you in a court case? Would you hire John Fetterman to? I don't know, like manicure your lawn. I think the answer clearly on all of these is no. Right. So why would you encourage the people of Pennsylvania to hire John Fetterman to represent them in the United States Senate? That is a great question if she would answer honestly. And what I would do is line up her 25 businesses and say, which one of them would you like John Fetterman to take over? And are you, cons- are you honestly saying that you would do a good job? On wh- on what about his resume makes you think he'd be successful running any of your companies. Right. Because he's going to be getting a very powerful position in the Senate, and he can't talk. And we don't know how he can think. I wish it was a different story, 
But if you or I had a stroke, we wouldn't be I, we wouldn't be able to be on camera and on radio. It's relevant. Yeah. As exhibited by the President of the United States. Will Kane, Not uh, a stroke directly, who's on this but weekend? competency. Uh, Pete Hegseth and Rachel Campos Duffy. And then four <laughs> hours. It's eight hours. It's a lot of TV. It's a lot of Rachel and Pete. Yeah. Hopefully you'll be able to get a word in. Eight hours. Because that has been your complaint in the past, right? <laughs> That's not true. Back in a moment. I'm Charles Payne. Listen to my Unstoppable Prosperity podcast so I can get you making money right now. Whether stocks are hitting new all-time highs or in freefall mode, opportunities abound. So why are so many potential investors still sitting on the sidelines? In a new season of my podcast, I'm going to get you in the game. After 38 years on Wall Street, I'm ready to impart some lessons and get you invested in the greatest wealth-generating machine in history. Listen anytime, everywhere at foxbusinesspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.